Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus You are listening to Gangland Wire, hosted by former Kansas City Police Intelligence Unit Detective Gary Jenkins. Hello, all you wiretappers out there. This is another segment of what I call Wearing the Wire on Steve St. John. And I want to give a big shout out to Bo Bergren, who is a regular contributor. And I hope I got that pronounced right again this time, Bo. Thanks a lot. Hey, Wiretappers, I'm here on the phone with my friend Steve St. John. I think you know a little bit about his past. Uh, I worked a case, uh, at least my guys did. I just supervised, followed him around back in the early 90s, and he ended up doing about 10 years in the penitentiary. Came back out, and we've become friends over the last year or so or six months. You know, I put out another one of these wearing the wires, and he's got a lot of great stories out of the penitentiary when he was in it. He was telling me one about, I said, let's just do this thing. It's about the guy that went around stealing rare books. You know, he told the one about the guy that got federal time for finding uh, the Tyrannosaurus Rex, uh, the one called, the boy, one named Sue, uh, which is, you meet the craziest people in the penitentiary, don't you, Steve? Boy, you do. That's for sure. <laughs> they probably say the same thing about me. <laughs> you think anybody's out there telling stories about you? I would this. It. About this guy that had had this, this this whole big drug kingpin and owned this cabin down to down on the river and, and uh, feds went after him trying to get that cabin. They figured they could use that for a little retreat for themselves. I think. Yeah, well, I had somebody watching that cabin. They told me as soon as they were there, I sold it the next day. <laughs> That's always a problem when you're doing an investigation on somebody that's uh, like a professional criminal because they, they will, like what you did, you will make friends with people around you. You won't be a dick. You, yeah. you won't, you'll make sure that you got plenty of friends around you. It's like the, uh, over in the projects where guys will spread a lot of money around with the young kids. And, and I tell you what, as soon as you drive in there and you're the police, man. <laughs> My neighbor was the district attorney of Ottawa, Kansas. Oh, really? <laughs> and he still told you that. <laughs> yeah. You did turn the personality on to him, didn't you? Oh, you know I did. <laughs> well, <laughs> like I've told several guys, and, and you learned the lesson finally, but, uh, you know, when you got all that, that good personality and you got that, brains and and good work ethic and ability to to get people to do stuff and work with you you know should just put that into that used car business a long time ago shouldn't you 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, all the, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You had you had all the skills. You just got a little greedy, I guess. I don't know. I just had to wait till I got out and catch up. That's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you got caught up. It seems like, and and as you told me once, you didn't really need quite as much money as you thought you did in the end. No, not at all. And you like you got a pretty good life now. So let's talk about this guy. His name was uh, what was his name? Stephen Bloomberg. Stephen Bloom. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, and you said he was from Matuma, Iowa, which is kind yeah. of interesting. I'm, I'm looking him up here. He he supposedly, he was accused of stealing more than 23,000 books worth over $5 million in 1990. Which would have been $10 million now. And really. You said that he lived on a family trust. And, and how much was that trust? Seventy-two thousand a year. And that was a lot of money. Seventy-two thousand a year. God, he didn't. He just loved loved old books, I guess. Now you said something about he. He also stole doorknobs and stained glass windows. What's yeah, the deal with that? He, yeah, I don't know. He he just would go around to mansions, old mansions, and take the doorknobs and stained glass. And I guess you know that's worth a lot of money too. But he never sold anything because he didn't yeah. need any money. He was he just, just goofy, you know. I once tried to restore an old house, and there's a place here in Kansas City called the Architectural Salvage Supply Company. And right. if you wanted something out of an old house to try to match something up, you could match about anything up if you had an old house. Yeah. I found several uh-huh. things. Yeah. Plus that stained glass. That stained glass goes for big bucks. You get that big old money. stained glass, man. That stuff goes for big bucks. But buck. again, I don't know why he would steal it if he wasn't going to sell it, you know. Never sold it, huh? But these uh, these books, and, and, and he liked to get Bibles and... And anything that was rare, I mean, some of the books were probably fifty, sixty thousand dollars by themselves, you know. So he wasn't stealing just anything, you know. He knew what he was after. Yeah, I, I'm looking at some of the things he stole here. He stole a first edition copy of Uncle Tom's Cabin by Harriet Beecher Stowe. President Lincoln once greeted her with, oh, "Well, you're the little lady that started the Civil War." So yeah, uh, man. I mean, how much would that be worth? Who only knows? Yeah, who you know? I mean, that's that's worth as you know. Uh, a book like that was so pivotal in American history. It's it, it really doesn't really have a price on it, actually. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, and and like I said, he just I don't know. He, he I guess he felt like anybody that had those books and and was being in a university or something. They I don't know. He just stole them. I mean, at least being somewhere where other people could share them. Seemed like it'd be better than him hoarding them, but... Yeah, if he wanted to read them, he could just go in there and check them out and read them, really. Oh, he read them, all right, but he read them at home. <laughs> yeah, I kept them at home. <laughs> he didn't want no crowd. And, you know, those libraries, I did I did a lot of time in and out of the library over here at UMKC, the Miller Nichols Library, and they've got you know, just stuff. That, they've got, like, mathematic magazines that, that you try to read a, a paragraph out of it and you can't even understand what they're talking about. No. They've got all these scientific things and really old things, and and they're just sitting there. Now, if you know what you're looking for, uh, which he did, you know, you just go in and librarians are not notorious for being like, you know, security guards or cops. They just, right. they just want to be left alone. <laughs> sure. They'll help you find something, then they just want to go on and be left alone. It, uh, so I guess they were go and find him, and uh, they they probably left him alone and just walked out with him. Don't you imagine? Well, I guess yeah. It, I guess they would, you know, they would realize what what he stole. And mm-hmm. I read a couple of places where they went back, 
and uh, checked further, and he stole a lot more than they had even even thought that he had stolen because they started doing inventory then. And, boy, he had gotten away with a lot of stuff. I don't know what his gratification was, but I guess he had got he done it a couple of more times when he got out, you know, because they give him like oh, really? years on this one. It was, it was like it was compulsive for him then, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. He was one of these guys where if there was something somewhere, he had to have it. He got it, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking here. I looked this up. It says he stole more than 23,000 books. I think I said that before. Yeah. 268 or more universities and museums in 45 states, two Canadian provinces, and the Washington, D.C. Sound yeah. like him. <laughs> he, did, he traveled all around the United States doing this stuff. Oh, he went everywhere. Do you yeah. know how he got caught? Uh, I think just, his buddy turned him in. Yeah, exactly right. There's some guy named uh, Kenneth J. Rose turned him in. He got a $56,000 reward that he negotiated with the, U- the United States Department of Justice. And he was in on a few of the capers, too. Uh, yeah. That's usually the way it happens. They used a, an insanity defense, but it didn't really work. I'd have to beg to differ on that because he was not even a fruitcake. Was he? Was he? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, he was. It'd take him an hour and a half to watch sixty minutes, you know. But but smart wise, he was very 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 intelligent. Yeah. But he was goofy. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And you know me, I've been to a couple of federal uh, nut houses where they had nuts down there in Springfield and Rochester. So I've seen a lot of them. And he'd be probably at the top of the list. Was he? So was this at Rochester? No, this was at Yankton. Oh, Yankton. Oh, he was in a, a regular. Uh, yeah, yeah. Me, medium security, I think. Regular uh, yeah, medium that's, security that's prison. Because they they couldn't prove that his insanity. And yeah. a lot of people don't realize, Gary, that like down and down at Springfield. Yeah. Had quite a few guys down there that that back in the day in the eighties and whatnot they could plead insanity plea, and if their lawyers could prove it, okay, yeah. they they plead insanity. And and but they would still give them X amount of time. Say they plead insanity and they get twenty years. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that they'll go down to Springfield, and they'll do let's say ten years under the insanity law, and uh, and and when they rule uh, that they're better, you know, which they've got psychiatrists and stuff down there that that, that haven't been counseling and whatnot, and when they mm-hmm. rule them and put the paperwork in that he's okay now. They start their 22-year sentence. Oh, man. That 10 years don't mean nothing. It's dead uh, time. Boy. So I wouldn't want to plead no insanity. <laughs> I wouldn't plead any insanity, that's for sure. Just get her going, get it over with. Yeah, uh, that law changed. I was researching that because I've got this story. I really kind of want to write a book about these two brothers that were robbing banks and, and setting off bombs in police stations and sheriff's offices that were close by and 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 one of the brothers did beat a case like that with uh, a claim of insanity, and and right after that, they changed the laws and made it a lot harder. This is about nineteen seventy, yeah, seven seventy eight. They they changed the laws right after that. So uh, because he was getting found, they were just letting him go, and then he'd yeah. go into a place, and then he then they'd find decide he was better in about a year, and. You know, he'd go back and hit the streets again. So guys like that abused it back then. He was he was in the joint with a, with another guy that is down at Springfield that 
did the same thing and got back out and then committed more crimes. They actually buddied up after that. Yeah, they're uh, they're not going to get out now. Yeah, and they and he tried the the last case he was on. He had one last bank robbery and and they didn't even let him. They hadn't changed the law yet, but they didn't go for it third time. I think he'd done it twice before. Hmm. So interesting. That's uh, <laughs> what kind of a guy was he? I mean, did he just did, did he? I mean, been a regular prison like that? Did I mean nobody? Early, with him. They just really let him alone. They had to tell him when to take a shower and, and whatnot. Oh, really? Kind of a one of those guys that was real uh, out there, you know. Yeah. Just he was in his own world. Yeah. That's was why. He, they, was he in a cell with anybody, or did they did they like sign somebody just to kind of? Or somebody take him on as a project, just your friend, and yeah, try to. He had, he had a couple other nuts that used to walk around with him. They was all yeah. probably about the same caliber. Yeah. So you know he was he was, but he was out there. You anybody that knew him knew knew that he was that he wasn't all there. I mean, really, huh. you know. So. I always think the system will have some kind of a more of a hospital like like Springfield or something to have people well, like that. This, this is this is a. Uh, designated as a medical part of a medical center for oh okay so there was if you remember that's where that detective peist was with with oh that's right that's right i mean they they just make that something so they can put you there but he Uh, should have been down at springfield you know really so he could have got some help you know plus they got pretty good sized library down there I say that dude with those books, he's a little bit like a pedophile and young kids, man. He just can't stop himself. You can, no, he you, can't can, stop you can, you can lock him up, and he can come back out, and pretty soon he just can't stop himself. Can't stop himself, you know. It's just that's just the way it is, you know. Huh. Just, just like that. That was the story. Was a guy picked up the snake? He was frozen, and put him inside his coat. <laughs> oh and yeah. As that snake warmed up, he said he bit him. He said, why'd you do that? He said, I guess it's just my nature. <laughs> yep, yeah, it's his nature. I'm a snake. <laughs> Same thing with him. <laughs> the way it goes. You know. Oh. Well, you were you you have lots of stories. We'll have to get some more of those going here. <laughs> yeah, you, you meet so many people, you know, you Yeah. You 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 know, you, you remember the ones that were interesting and and uh and, and then you you throw the ones away that you know they're full of shit. Yeah. You know, but uh, by and large, you know, you meet you meet a lot of people that are about something, and they, you know, they've done crazy things, and you know, uh, I guess this guy's still alive. I don't know. I haven't. Uh, you, know, you know, I I didn't look that up. I don't know if it's he probably if he wasn't yeah. old, so yeah, probably seventy now, maybe. So like a like a guy like that, I think. Uh, you know, I have the same question everybody talking to you about that might have and about never been in the penitentiary. Why? guy like that, well, everybody, like, you kind of know, well, that's crazy. You know, who's that dude over there? Well, that's that crazy son of a bitch that stole all the books and stuff. I mean, well, that kind of people kind of know if they care to know. Yeah, they care to know. But, I, you know, the way he sounds, he travels all around. So who knows where he's at, you know? But but I mean while he was there while you guys were all together at Gang Gang. Oh yeah. You, you like you, you guys just sit around and you 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 know with your buddies or whatever and you say you see that guy over there, 
And what's he in here for? Oh, I heard he was in here for stealing books, and then somebody yeah. checked into it, and they find out, you know, they talk about it, just makes it something to talk about and makes Exactly, yeah. I mean, because you think, well, you know, what's stealing books? But then when you delve into it and find out, you know, yeah, $5 million worth. That's, that's, yeah. that's a little bit different. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, he was known. Everybody knew what he did, you know. Okay. It's one of those things where, you know, everybody knew he got X amount of money a year. and You know, just look at him and go, you know, crazy. But, yeah. you know, he may not may not be crazy to himself. I, I don't know. I, I guess that trust fund just piled up while he was away. He didn't have any use. Oh, yeah. It. Yeah, well, they fined him 200000 I'm sure they yeah. got that. They got, the, oh, yeah, you were, for once they were able to get that big fine. Usually they put lay, lay those big fines on somebody and they've already... Right. Either hid their money or a combination of hid their money and spent everything on lawyers and <laughs> yeah, yeah, stuff like that. So, well, I paid my fine, so I'm I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> what do they do? I guess they, you get out and then they like find out where you're working and yeah. put a lean on you or something. Put a put a rock on it. Put a rock on it, man. They're going to get it sooner or later. They have a pretty aggressive kind of a collection agency yeah, deal going. Yeah, they probation officer. Oh, I see, I see. Because when they you first get out of federal, you're still under their rule on paper for a year or so, right? Yeah, but if you don't pay your fine, they extend it. Oh, I see. Huh? Well, they, they got the leverage and you don't. I see, wow. It's like, uh, like down in Springfield, like, you know, they had a, you know, they had a lot of people die in Springfield because it is a medical center. And yeah. That's where most people uh, go when they're dying. We were down in the lower level by the rec hall, and they were wheeling somebody out in a in a black bag, you knowing, and some young kid says, he pointed at the bag, and he looked at me, he says, well, one thing about it, he's finally getting out. He's getting out of that time. And I yeah. said, oh. I said, ain't beating him out no time. They're taking him downstairs to the morgue. He's still got three years. And the guy looked at me and said, what? And I said, oh, they stack him up downstairs until that time's up. He, he believed it. Oh, he was shocked. Still shocked. Six months, you know, until somebody told him otherwise. Yeah. Oh, well, I like to do that. You know, You're a piece of work. I know you do. You, you caught me a couple of times. <laughs> I don't like to suffer by myself, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, misery loves company, Gary. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's All I'm right. Doing. Well, Steve, this has been great. I'll throw this up here as a little added bonus. I'm already putting up three a week, and, and this will this will make a fourth one for this. I'll put it up in a couple of days, and yeah, and, uh, people learn a little something about life in the penitentiary, and we'll we'll do this again, right? Yeah, and just remember, folks. I mean, it, it could be worse. You could be in a cell, and uh, yes, just like I, just like I tell my wife every day. I said, "Look at this. I got TV in every room, plenty of food." I said, yep. "Hang on, I could do another six, eight months." Yeah, you, you could. Know. You could do eight. You could do ten more years. You already showed that. I'm, I'm just getting warmed up. You're just getting warmed up, man. Well. <laughs> That, that's what you told one of those guards when they were trying to make you do something and say, man, I'll get your time extended. You said, man, I've been here eight years. I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a real, a real funny one uh, that you, that you will kind of close on this if you want. 
I had started at Leavenworth and went all you know went through all those joints and yeah the last one was in uh, Colorado up there where they uh, they had the five institutions where Timothy McGivay was at and oh yeah yeah he was in the supermax and of course yeah. they got the camp and the penitentiary and the FCA. but anyway I had a uh, I was up there and I was just getting ready to get out about two months left and I was a baker like I told you yeah. And uh, they had a, like a GED class that was that was up there that was getting ready to graduate, so they wanted me to bake a, a cake for them. So I I was I baked a cake. So when I brought it out on the on the deal, woman looked at me. The, the she was the head of the Bureau of Prisons. I can't remember her name. I think her name was Line Weaver. But anyway, she looked at me and she says, "You could see it in her face." Yeah. She says, "Is that you, Saint John?" I said, that's me, Miss Line Weaver. And I remember I hadn't seen her since 1990, and this was in 1999. Oh, yeah. She says, I told you boys to stay out of trouble. She says, here you are back. I said, hon, I ain't never left. And she, she says, oh, my. And I says, that's what I told the judge. Oh, my. <laughs> really? I laughing. I said, no, I ain't never left. You got a big kick out of that. That's a, yeah, that's a long stretch, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> it ain't bad if you say it fast. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. So life is pretty good now. I can, I'll can. i testify to that, folks. His life is pretty good now. Yeah, I got anything I need and, and yeah. good family and, you yeah. know, grand, 10 grandkids. And, and, you know, can't yeah. get no better than that. Nope. No, they can't. He's got, he's got these immensely talented kids and grandkids too. So uh. yeah, yeah I do. I'm lucky for that. Yep, you are. You're blessed. And I got one that's going to keep us in produce this year too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's planting a bunch of corn, tomatoes, yeah, corn and stuff. Tomatoes. Yeah. And I, I got the onions. I put out 500 onion sets. So <laughs> we'll, make, we'll make that salsa. Yeah, make that. Pico de Gallo. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, Steve. Thanks a lot. All right, buddy. Bye. Talk to you later. Bye. Well, if you're a veteran and you believe you have problems that might be PTSD connected to your service time, call your local vet center or hospital, the local VA hospital in your area. And then there's a national hotline, 1-800-273-8255. Press 1 if you're a vet. There's a website, www.ptsd.va.com. GOV, and this site contains a lot of resources and information about the problem of PTSD. Well, folks, this is in the, we're in the COVID virus time, and uh, it's uh, it's dragging out, folks. It is dragging out for me, but it is what it is. So don't forget when we get back to work, uh, hit me up on the Venmo app at Gangland Wire. Uh, you need some entertainment for a dollar ninety nine. You can rent either one of my movies on Amazon. Brothers Against Brothers, The Sabella Sparrow War, or Gangland Wire. I've got my book, Leaving Vegas, How FBI Wiretaps Ended Mob Domination of Las Vegas Casinos, and get the Kindle version so you can hear the actual audio wiretaps that I uh, was able to get from the FBI to, to help do my movie and my book. Good evening, folks. Music provided by our good friend and super fan from Portland, Oregon, Casey McBride. Thanks, Casey.